Um, Isaac first asked my dad to do it, and Dad said they were leaving this afternoon. He said, but I think Anna could do it. And I was like, thanks, Dad. I appreciate it. I love you, too. Um, kind of like uh, Beth. I've been coming to camp forever, and this is where I never wanted to be. But, um, and it's going to be messy. But that's what life is, right? So, um, Jonathan, um, he got diagnosed with um, bone cancer in his spine when he was 19. And um, it paralyzed him from the chest down. And um, he fought it, um, had chemo, and um, that about killed him. And um, so he was cancer-free for about two months, and then the cancer came back. Um, it was inoperable, and I mean, we kind of expected it. Um, and he said, yeah, I'm not going through chemo again. So um, he did some alternative treatments, um, and I think that extended his life just a little bit. And um, last October, he passed away. Um, but as incredibly hard as that was for our family, um, I've just been uh, overwhelmed by the knowledge that God is comp- always with us, no matter what we're going through. Um, if it was not for God, I mean, there's, there's no way we would have gotten through that um, as a family. Um, and also, the other blessing is um, the family that God gave us. Um, the Bible tells us to be fruitful and multiply, and definitely not nine kids. Um, we multiplied. But um, just that support that we had through brothers and sisters and cousins and we have a doctor in the family and I'm a nurse and um, God just supplied all of those people in our lives um, that we needed to get through that situation Um, and he also with the church family that we have um, he supplied just I mean all the people here were supporting us and praying for us and even people that I have never even met, um, people that are not primitive Baptist, um, we knew that people were praying for us, and we could definitely feel that through the whole situation. Um, and just some um, specific things that God blessed us with in that time. Um, Jonathan had been going to college for about four months for a semester before he got diagnosed. And he changed the address on his driver's license to Moralton, to the little apartment that he was in. Mom and Dad didn't know he had done that. Um, And whenever he got diagnosed and we were going through financial aid and trying to figure out how in the world we're going to pay for all of this because Mom and Dad did not have insurance, um, they looked at his driver's license and they said, he does not live with y'all. He is all independent. And they said, well, yeah, he is. And because of that, they covered his um, costs. Just because of that one little thing. Um, and, and of course, there were multiple um, you know, other expenses, food, travel, 
and then whenever he went for his alternative treatments, um, the generosity and the love gifts that we had gotten from all of y'all, um, several of y'all in the audience, um, and that and his funeral expenses, it was enough to cover everything that we needed. Um, and um, in the hospital, um, of course, you know, a 19-year-old lost his mobility and um, is stuck in a hospital for months and stuck at home in the basement. Um, he was getting down and depressed. And um, God sent um, a musical therapy. A musical therapist um, that came, and he, Jonathan, was in the children's hospital, so he was used to, you know, working with little kids. And um, he and Jonathan just really hit it off, and he started taking extra time. And Jonathan loved music, and um, he started recording Jonathan's songs, and it just gave that Jonathan that um, something to look forward to and those unbearable trips to the hospital for chemo. Um, some for him to look forward to, he started writing his own songs and um, recorded some of those. Um, and the therapist sent a recording of one of J um, James Taylor's songs to James Taylor, and um, he actually sent Jonathan back a note and sent him one of his CDs. and, and um, so that was a great encouragement to him. And God just kind of, he didn't send them all at one time. He spaced them out. Um, Jonathan was a huge political person. He loved to talk about politics. Um, and he loved Rush Limbaugh. And um, Rush Limbaugh found out about Jonathan somehow. And he sent Jonathan, somebody called him from Rush Limbaugh, and asked how Jonathan was doing, and they ended up sending him a care package, and um, and that was just, you know, those things just came through. Um, when he would be at his lowest, he'd get another care package from somebody, um, and anyway, God just sustained him, and mom and dad, and us through all of that. Um, and his friends through camp um, were a great blessing to him and to us. Um, they reminded us that Jonathan was still a teenager who needed to be treated like a teenager, be able to do all the fun things, and not just what meds do we need to give next. And, um, you know, we need to turn him in two hours. And... Um, you know, it's easy to get caught up in that routine. So um, dad said that Sophia, I think, came and visited Jonathan, and she just plopped down on his hospital bed and was just talking to him like a normal, you know, normal kid. And dad just realized, he's like, we need to just start doing stuff. Um, so they, John, um, Stephen took him hunting, and he actually got a buck that night. <laughs> They waited and waited, and they thought, we're going to have to go, and then there he comes walking out the woods. Um, he went fishing. He went skydiving. Um, he went to Hawaii, 
and to Yellowstone. We all got to go, well, several of us got to go to Yellowstone as a family. Um, so the kids in his life just really, God used them to show us that we need to enjoy what we have left. Um, And then um, whenever he, um, it was two weeks after our Yellowstone trip, on the way back from Yellowstone, they had to cut it short because he was like, I can't do it. Um, And so two weeks after that, Dad texted us all and said, if you want to see him, you need to come. And um, we were all able to be there kind of like the guest family that's a huge feat for everybody to be there there's a lot of us um and he was kind of in and out for a couple of days and then um on sunday he perked up and he was eating and he got to watch uh we had church service together and he and his brothers watched a razorback football game and um and Anyway, God just really blessed us that day with chances to say goodbye. And um, since he had perked up, we were having like a family discussion. Somebody was down there with Jonathan, and we were upstairs. And um, we were trying to decide, should we stay? You know, some of my brothers had new jobs. Um, they couldn't, didn't have vacations, so we were trying to figure out what we were going to do. And um, I think Stephanie was with Jonathan downstairs. And she said, everybody, he wants to see y'all. And um, he could barely talk, like whisper. But he went through every person that was there. And God gave him the words that he needed to speak and cleared his mind. He would, had been very confused. Um, but he gave direction to the nieces and nephews spiritually, um, Gave him wisdom for, you know, things that he knew they would be coming up to in life. And um, he told jokes and to the brothers-in-laws and just said goodbye to a lot of us. Um, and that is something that's going to be very special to me and my kids for a very long time. But just that um, aspect... Um, it's quite a contrast to the young man that he was two years earlier. Um, he was going down a rough road. He was not choosing good friends. He was um, not following Christ. Um, but even in his rebellious state, come to find out later um some of his friends one of his friends texted after he had passed and he didn't realize he had he had passed and he texted on his phone and said you were a great witness to me um and i just really want to appreciate what the witness that you gave me and that was during his lowest time that he was still that light um for other people um so that scripture that is, um, is so true, train up a child in the way he will go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Um, those truths that we instill in our children, even though we cannot see them on the surface, they are still in their hearts, 
and um, and young people. Um, if Jonathan were here, he would say, "Do not wait until you're on your deathbed to be a witness for God." The world is so full of darkness and is getting darker and darker every day. It feels like, and even if you're just a tiny light, it is so dark. People are going to see that. You don't have, you know, we want to be a huge flaming um, fire for God, but a little spark is all that it's going to take for other people to see Christ through you. And Luke is going to help me. (laughs) Anna wanted me to read a testimony from, from Catherine. Her, her daughter, and also Jonathan's niece, and um, one of his best friends, and one of her best friends was Jonathan. And she wanted to say that John always made me feel needed. He would always tell me I was beautiful or good enough in God's eyes. He was always willing to make me uh, make the new person make a new person feel comfortable, and he never failed to make me laugh when I didn't want to. I don't understand why he had to die, but I know he was ready to be with God. Even if we weren't ready to let him go. In his final moments, I know God blessed us to be with him, and I will always be grateful for that. I still miss him every day, but knowing he's not hurting anymore and with God is a great comfort. I don't want to say a lot. I just want to quote scripture. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 55, this on his um, right after he passed, these words came to my mind. <clears throat> it says, and for a Christian, this is this is what it is. This is the word of God. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. One more comment. Whenever you're close to someone who is about to go through the veil of death, right before your eyes, heaven seems so close, and it's already been alluded to. Um, Gabriel mentioned that same thing. Heaven is just there. And never before... As it seems so close, it's a, there's a danger that that um, we can want to be with God so bad that we lose our drive to want to please Him here. We want to just go and leave this world behind. But as this verse here in 58, after it describes that death is, has no more hold on us, 
because of what Jesus Christ did. For us that that remain here on earth, we cannot give up. We don't need to give up. It's, It's hard to get through things like death and losing a loved one, but it's not right to give up. We're given breath. Jonathan's breath was taken away, but we're given breath every single day and that God pleases to do so. And with that breath, we need to be praising Him until He takes it away. I'll read the verse 58 again. It says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So, persevere. I believe in that. Perseverance. This testimony, again, is not for our glory. It's not to puff Jonathan up as if he was some superhero. But it's to use it as what it's intended to be, is to point to Christ as the only way, the only truth, and the only life And there's no way other than Jesus Christ. And so that's the purpose. And we want to give God the glory.